Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you back for another episode. If you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to the show on. And also be sure to share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers too. Today, I'm bringing back Rob Thompson for round two of our conversation on how to move the ball and make things happen. Rob has spent over 35 years building grassroots sports, media, and family entertainment properties and brands globally for organizations such as the NFL, the Walt Disney Company, the Arena Football League, and more. Rob has also been the co-founder of several startups, and on the show, we discuss his thoughts on organizations that thrive, what makes Disney such a world-class organization, his newest venture, the 5% Club, and more. As always, I enjoyed this conversation with Rob, and I know you will too. Have a listen in. Rob, it is so great to have you here inside the huddle with us today. I'm excited to chat with you on the show. How are you? Fantastic. Take two. Yes, take yes. <laughs> it is take two for those listening. We did try to start recording already once and had a technical glitch. And you know what? I think, Rob, so you've been on my podcast before, yeah. and we also did a LinkedIn Live together. And I remember it was one of those. We also had to do a take two. You might not remember. It was, it was a couple of years ago, but we did a take two then also. I do. It wouldn't be a call with you unless we did a take two. That's so right. this is this is standard for us. <laughs> That's going to be our theme. And <laughs> I was thinking back about how long has it been since you and I have been on this podcast together. You joined me back on season two of the show. It was episode 85 of the podcast. Wow. This is episode 294 of the show. Wow. So over 200 shows later, here you are. And I'm glad to have you back on with me. Yeah, that last one was March of 2021. So it's been a wow. couple of years. Wow. You're right. Right in the thick of all the craziness that was happening. I know. Yeah. And I remember we were talking about coronavirus and the pandemic and just how do you navigate through uncertainty? And I mean, it was a really interesting time that the entire world had to figure out how to adjust and adapt to. So if you guys are looking for an episode from you know, a few years back and you want to hear a great conversation with Rob and I, I would suggest that you have a listen to that. And to make it easy, because I'm all about making things easy for people, I will have a link to that episode in today's show notes. So go check it out. Rob, share some really great insights on that show. And you're going to hear some great stuff today, too. So let's get into it. The first question for you, Rob, is are you ready to move the ball? Yeah, of course. I'm always ready. You better be as a former athlete. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. You better be ready because you always stay ready. That's how the saying yeah. goes, right? Or you're supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Every day you get up, you got to be ready to go, even though you may not want to, right? You just do it. That's right. 
Now, Rob, you've had an incredible career. You've spent over 35 years building grassroots sports, media, family, entertainment properties, and brands globally for organizations such as the NFL, Walt Disney Company, Arena Football League, and the list can go on and on. And as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about where do I want to start off our conversation to set the tone for the show? There's so many places with your background that I could go to kick us off. And for me, what I want to do today is I recently did a podcast on the show where I was interviewed by one of the members of my podcast team. And what we talked about on that show was in part was about organizations who thrive and how to help organizations become one where you are thriving. And I talked about my thoughts on what really makes an organization successful and what I've seen in those that thrive. So what I want to do is I want to pose that question to you. When you look at, I mean, you've been in large big companies, just like I have, you've also been involved in many, many startups. For you, when you look at organizations that are really succeeding and thriving, not just from a profitability standpoint, obviously there are companies that are profitable that if you look at like world-class leadership, aren't necessarily thriving, but they are profitable. So when you look at the characteristics of what would make an organization thrive in your mind, what would some of those things be? It's a great question. And as you're saying this, I'm just starting to think of the correlation because success leads leaves clues a lot of times, you know, and things. And you see, when you look at teams and how I used to explain it all the time is the teams, when I was working for the NFL, the teams that had the greatest success on the field, when we worked with them, I worked for the league on all their youth and fan development programs. When we worked with those teams, you could just sense the camaraderie, the, the vision Everybody had a purpose and everybody felt the mission. It was part of the mission. You never heard anything negative said. And, you know, when you start dealing with a lot of, especially on the team level, there's definitely teams that aren't as good, that didn't have a lot of success or year success. There was always negativity at some point. There was always like, oh, geez, if we ever, you know, God forbid we pay for this or God forbid. They were never good. They were never good on the field. And it always trickled down. So the leadership part of that was so essential. And if you look at it from an athlete standpoint, you can only have so many. And then it all starts with the head coach, right? But then on the college level, goes the athletic director, goes to the president of the school or the chancellor. It always trickles down because you want people to feel like their voice matters, their time and effort matters, their value matters. And, and if you're an employee of an organization, just like if you're a, a, a team, a part of a team, you're a little part of that team, whether you're a starter, whether you're an All-American, or whether you're just a walk-on role player, it matters. And the really, really good coaches, the really good leaders made them feel that value. The worst thing that you could ever say to anybody is, well, at least you got a job, right? At least, well, you're still working, right? At least you got a job. Well, no, you have an option. You don't have to. You don't have to work where you're working, you have an option. You could go somewhere else. So when you have leadership that say, well, at least you're on the team and you may not be a starter, but we value you as your participation, your time here, your value here, whatever role that you play goes much further than what scholarship money you had or in the business world, how much you're getting paid and what your monetization is. So when I see from an organizational standpoint, you can have 
in a locker room a, a tremendous amount of average talent. And if you have everybody, and I know this is cliche, but it's so true, everybody bought in. Everybody bought in. You have one or two really outstanding players. You could have success. You may not win a championship, but you could have consistent cons- success. If you have one or two kind of locker room cancer locker rooms, you know, locker room lawyers, cancer, you can maybe have one, but you can't have more than that because those groups get together. And if you have poor leadership, they're not going to wean them out. It's the same thing with the business organization. You know, if you have a bunch of B to C level, maybe a couple of B pluses in, within your organization, but everybody is kind to each other. Everybody is respectful of each other's opinions. Everybody likes to work together because it starts from the top. That person makes every, that leader, that owner, that manager, that vice president makes everybody in the organization feel special, regardless of what they're compensated and makes their voice matter. Those are what I see to be the best type of organizations. When you have a top-down dictatorship, and I saw it in the league, I saw it with the teams. When you have a family or an owner and their kids are involved, and it's a toxic work environment. Look at the Dallas Cowboys, right? What do you think it's like working for them? <laughs> they haven't won in how long, and there's a reason why, right? They may have the beautiful facility, right, the beautiful stadium. They haven't won in 30 years. So I, I don't know. You know, you, you, you kind of look at all those. You can compare them as an athlete and what a really healthy locker room, really healthy playing experience is like, and what a very toxic playing experience of life. And you compare that to business. And it's very, very similar in the traits, the styles, and the characteristics of those leaders, those coaches, and those bosses. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And one thing I wanted to emphasize is you talk about people feeling like they are valued and they are appreciated on the team. And no matter what organization you're in, whether it's a sports one or it's some other industry, at the end of the day, all of us are individuals and we're human beings and we want to feel like people care about us and that we are valued for the work that we bring to the table. And so throughout my career, like you hear people who have gone from corporate and started off their own business, a lot of them are bitter and angry and they're like corporate sucks because they feel like they were not appreciated. Some people feel like they were overworked, underpaid, all those things. And when I left corporate to go focus on growing the move the ball brand and the movement, I didn't have that same perspective. It wasn't, I was, you know, screw corporate, I'm out. I reprioritized what I wanted to do, but it wasn't because I didn't enjoy where I was. And a big part of the organizations I had been a part of were that they always made me feel like I was appreciated and that I was valued and I was able to excel in my career. But I mean, it was I was part of world-class organizations that knew how to treat people right and have a culture that I think really allowed the organization and the people to thrive. And one of the things that you have in your experience is you worked for the Walt Disney Company. And Walt Disney Company has been on Fortune's list of most admired companies for many years. When you look at Disney specifically, what are some some of the things, I mean, Disney, from a customer standpoint, is very focused on the customer experience and having these world-class 
adventures and making their customers feel special when they're like going to the theme parks or even just watching movies. But when you look at the organization, I mean, that doesn't just happen alone. It's because of the people that are committed to the purpose of that organization too. But what are some of the things that you think really makes Disney one of those companies that has been one of the world's most admired companies? A couple of things. They work inside out. So they're what they call cast members, right? The infamous cast member, which is across the board. They treat them like a guest. And essentially from the trading, from their voice being heard, from basically making them feel like the spotlight is on them on their whole career path, right? Along the way, six-month reviews, that happen. It's not just in theory. They happen every six months. Are you on track? Are you where you want to be? What kind of what kind of support can we give you? So from a an employee cast member relationship with the company, they walk the walk, they talk the talk, they are exactly who you think they are from internally. So you feel that emotional connection and obligation to the brand from the moment you start working for them. And that is inherited through the entire organization. But one thing that they do have that is, and I worked there for a decade and it's an incredible experience. The one thing that they do have, obviously, unlike a lot of big Fortune 500, they have access to a lot of talent, right? Because that, that you want to have that experience. You want to put it on your resume. Whether you're a Disney, a Disneyoid, what I call them, a Disney fan before, before you start working for them. And then they also understand way before it became trendy to be diverse and have inclusion. Disney, that is the, the core fabric of who they are. They understand the consumer and the people and the staff and the cast members that work there reflect who their consumers are, right? It's not just, they know that you have to have understanding, empathy. You have to be able, you have to be that mom with four kids that works there that understands the consumer, right? They understand who the guests are. They understand who the consumers are, right? They reflect that. So you're looking at the consumer is looking in the mirror of our offices, you know, and, and what supported that company, depending on, depending on the division and department, but it very much kind of understood that part of it. And, and I think the last piece of it is, and I'll give you a story wrapped around it, and this kind of summarized a lot of it. And there's so many incredible stories that, from my experience there that I won't get into, but the one that I like to tell is we, at one point, we had a new general manager and a vice president of one of our media divisions of our company. And when all the directors and associate vice presidents and VPs off were in Burbank and were having kind of a state of the union, a kind of roundtable event when this person just got hired, and we all went in and, and we all came from different parts of the country. We all flew in. So we hadn't seen each other for a long time, a lot of colleagues and, you know, the natural conversation and joking around and kind of welcome hugs and all that. Just, just awesome when you get to see people that you work with welcoming this new vice president. Well, this new vice president was walking around the room with a tray of cookies. And I just thought that is so interesting. Never met them. Didn't know who they were. Person was, and they're walking around the room, giving people. So I had a tray of cookies. So there was lunch set up and they went over, grabbed the tray and they just started passing them out and eating one. And I thought that was so interesting in the fact of, 
that person is now overseeing this massive business unit of the Walt Disney Company, and they're serving everybody cookies. And that person happened who, who's in that role, still in this role 20 years later or a similar role, has done really well in the company. And, and at one point, someone brought up, you know, it's interesting. Halfway through our conversation, we're going around the horn. Everybody's introducing each other and, you know, kind of telling them a little bit of, you know, what's their job. And that person kind of gives their big vision of what their, what their role is. And someone says, well, by the way, you know, I thought it was really interesting. Why were you serving cookies? He goes, well, I never really thought about it. That's a good question. I said, because I'm basically here to serve you. That's my job. And if there's ever a story on what it's like to work for the Walt Disney Company, to me, through my experience, that's it. There was a lot of leaders that were just great servants. And the ones that weren't, they're creative and kind and anything you think of it. The ones that weren't did not last long at all because not everybody can manage people. And I remember I had an HR partner who was my talent acquisition. We had a team of responsible for about 200 plus cast members within my division, within the media group of Disney. And I remember them saying all the time, well, here's what you look for. And I was like, I was like what, what, what do you think I should be looking for in this role? And they would always say the three core principles is smart, talented, and kind. That's what you look for. There's a lot of smart people out there, Rob. There's a lot of talented people out there. Trying to find kind people is not the easiest thing. And that is the core of kind of the three principles of working for the Walt Disney Company. If you can fit into those categories, you could have a long career there. Anyways, so that was my working for the Walt Disney Company. Well, I love the story, first of all, because I think it's so true. Those leaders who focus on serving others are the ones that are really going to excel and create amazing cultures because it's not about a position. It's not about a title. It's about how do you serve others and get them excited and empower them to be connected to the purpose of the organization and bring their best version of themselves forward. And like I said earlier, at the end of the day, we're human beings. We want to feel valued. We want to feel appreciated. And if you can connect with people on a human level, then I mean that's going to just translate so much further than if you're just trying to be the boss and tell people what to do. And those organizations, we know that style of leadership doesn't go very far. The other thing I think that you mentioned that I just wanted to share that you talked about as far as what makes Walt Disney Company great is understanding the consumer and making sure that how you serve that consumer is the way you want them to feel. Because from a business standpoint, people will do business with people they know, like, and trust and with people they feel connected to. And I remember this was a while back when I was working for General Electric, which is also on the world's most admired companies list, by the way. But General Electric would do these different, we had employee resource groups, just like other big companies. And we would do these conferences on a biannual basis. And we did our women's network conference in Disney World. And we had this big room where all these great women leaders from around the country and the globe were participating in. And I was fortunate enough to be one of those people that was selected to go. And they had this guy, don't remember his name. He came up and he talked about the experience and creating that world-class experience for your customers. And so he told this story about, imagine a family, they go to Disney World, they go to the various parks, they have a great time, and it's time to go home after their wonderful vacation. So they pack up and they head on their way. 
back to wherever they were going. Let's say Texas is an example. So then they stayed at the Disney hotel or at one of the hotels. And so as the woman who was cleaning the room is, is in the room, she discovers that one of the kids left their stuffed animal. It's a bear. And so he told the story about how then what happens is they take that bear and someone gets in a car and they drive it all the way to Texas, in my example, so that they can bring that bear home and say, hey, you left your bear in the hotel and we have delivered it home for you. And he's like, doesn't that sound great? He's like, well, yeah, that would cost a lot of money. And as a business, we can't do that every time something like that happens. But he's like, this is what we can do. And he said, we can take that bear and take photographs of that bear all throughout the park and then send that bear back home to the family with these pictures and a note that says, hey, I had so much time at the park. I stayed a little bit longer, but now I'm back or something like that. And so the child gets his bear back and there's these pictures of the bear throughout the park as if he had had another adventure before he came home. And it's like that experience. And I mean, how do you think that family is going to feel, right? I mean, they're going to be like, oh, my this was amazing. The kid's going to feel good and it's going to want them to come back and experience that again and tell others about it as well. Exactly right. It's amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago that I was at this conference. And so, I mean, the fact that I can still remember this story, it obviously made an impression, but that's like understanding your consumers and making them feel special and knowing what will resonate with them. And I mean, I think Disney does a great job of doing that. So I appreciate you sharing your perspectives on what makes Walt Disney Company a great company to work for. So, Rob, what I want to talk about, too, is, I mean, like I said before, you've been involved in the NFL with Disney, Arena Football League, all of these things. What have been some of the key things, if you were to be a mentor to someone who is maybe earlier in their career and looking to grow and continue to excel and wants to be an executive leadership, what are some of the things that you would suggest that they do to help them with their career progression? Try everything. And say yes and figure it out. Don't get caught up in the logo or the perceived coolness of whatever job or role that you're going to go to. And I'll give you an example. And and the easiest way to go after your dream job is to volunteer. And once you volunteer, number one, you're doing something nice. Right. You're giving some of your time and your value to something, but you're also going to be non-committed to that role. And you're going to discover areas of things that you may like about a job. My mantra is always you're going to figure out what you don't want to do for a career long before you discover a career that you love. And so try everything along the way. Look for the people that you really like, that leader, that boss. Don't fall in love with the logo because the logo is not going to stay there unless you create the logo for your own company. The logo is going to go away. The newness is going to go away. The coolness is going to go away. So try everything. Say yes to everything as you can. And the one thing that changed my life in my career was... I had an opportunity to work when I first got out of college and was done coaching, was married. And I was a, I got an offer to work at a state juvenile detention facility and I needed a job, right? Just got done coaching. I was like, I don't know. I started a business or a college, a high school recruiting agency. Wasn't making any money doing it, but I loved it. So I started working in this detention facility. And 24 years old, had my own little side business, growing it. 
what I didn't know was that was going to be the foundation. So when I volunteered four years later, I built up my, my recruiting agency, right, which was a labor of love. And I sold that for a whopping 1500 bucks, which I thought was a lot of money, right? And, and then I got asked to volunteer for this new youth development program that the NFL was rolling out. And I just so happened to volunteer in a location that the new director of the NFL youth programs, it was his hometown. And he just happened to be there at this, this camp. It was the launch of the NFL Play 60 program, which NFL flag, all of that. So this is the launch of it in 1994. And I got to meet him, got to meet the whole crew. We volunteer over the course of the weekend up in Maine. And it was for the Patriots Youth Development Program. And the Patriots, by the way, were the pilot program for this NFL Youth Development Program. And does it sound familiar? And the Patriots who got involved had a lot of positive energy. They did things that the league pushed out. And they had a lot of success on the field too, right? Started from the top from the Kraft family. Anyways, so I volunteered for this weekend. I met this gentleman and he was intrigued because my mindset was on working with kids that were in trouble. I mean, these were criminals and those kids aren't afraid of you. They're not afraid of some old white football player, right? And I had to learn. I couldn't be physical with them unless it was necessary, but I had to be able to deal with them verbally. Right. So you understood their mentality, the attention span. Plus, I grew up there. So I knew a lot of their parents and their uncles and their cousins. And I grew up in the same neighborhoods as they grew up. So it was a being empathetic. It was managing them with respect. And that all played into the foundation of then I had this mindset of working with kids, not just coaching kids. This was working with them on their life and on their skills and all of those things. So we're kind of like camp counselors with these kids, so to speak. I did this for a number of years, highly trained in it. And when the NFL was looking for somebody to run their youth development programs, they were looking for a former player, which I fit that bill. They're looking for a former coach, which, which I coached college and high school. And they needed someone that worked with children. And I checked all three boxes. And the last box for me was I went up there with a pure heart, not anticipating anything that was going to happen with the NFL other than I'm giving some of my time. And that following week, I was offered the job to then work for the next decade of promoting the NFL youth development programs globally here in the United States and Southeast Asia, Europe, Latin America. And it was all because I, I got that job. I really got that job because I worked in a juvenile detention facility. And I had kind of this core muscle of understanding the wants and needs of children. So say yes to everything. I had no idea that that would lead me down a path. It just felt right. And it felt like something I needed to do at the time because I could always go get another job if it wasn't working. But it, it was kind of in the, it was in the area. I was already working with kids and a recruiting agency, working with high school kids. This kind of fell into it and it wasn't comfortable. Um, I had to get out of an area of comfort zone that I was like, you know, it, it was hard, but it was incredibly satisfying, and rewarding working with those kids and helping them and, and reconnecting with a lot of their parents and their uncles and their relatives that I grew up with. And then it led me down a path that now I could walk into any program, any school and and have this this knowledge and this experience based behind me and this in a lot of 
instances of what we did at the NFL was working in inner city. Now I had a little bit more credibility walking in the door. So it well rounded me out a lot in that part of it. And that launched my career. Oh, I think that's a great story. And yeah, I mean, getting involved and sometimes it's not paid, right? It's volunteering to be involved in different organizations that you're passionate about. And when you do that, you then start building connections with other people and there might be opportunities that present themselves. So I think that's a great thing for people to take away is, you know, say yes to things, volunteer for things when there's an opportunity to do that as well. One other thing that I think is important is your network. This is something you and I have talked about before also on the show when we did a live stream together, but having your network, people say that your network is your net worth or the other way, your net worth is your network. And having that strong network is so important. And I think people conceptually know that and they understand that, but putting it into practice and really getting out there and networking is something that a lot of people, they are intimidated by because they're not extroverts as an example, or they don't know how to do it effectively. I actually did a show here recently on this podcast where I talked about some networking strategies and tips. So I would encourage people to go check that show out if you haven't. But what I want to ask you about, Rob, is you have created this organization called the 5% Club, and it's an opportunity for people who have been student athletes to connect with one another. Talk to us about why did you want to create this? What was the purpose of it? And just walk us through all of that. It, It actually didn't, I had no reason behind it. It was actually a video that went viral. And I was always in this space of connecting the dots with former student athletes that were in the early stage startup space and they're looking for capital to startup capital. And I was had this kind of this community, this ecosystem of founders and investors and angels and VCs. And that's primarily what I've been doing for the last six years with Connect Sports. But also working in higher ed, which I work for my alma mater, the athletic department. So I have a lot of discussions about does it matter where you play college athletics? It doesn't because a lot of people, there's this preconceived notion that if you don't play division one, that then you weren't that good or your value, your perception goes down. And I know it's human nature to think, oh my gosh, you played football at UCLA or Alabama or, and, or any other sport at a power of five school. And that is a, an incredible accomplishment, whether you were a walk-on or whether you you were a scholarship or whether you were a starter, whatever. Those are big accomplishments. There's a lot of factors that go into that, though. Geographically, there's so many factors that go into, if you grew up playing high school football in Connecticut, chances are you're not playing at Alabama. But if you grow up and you grow up in Alabama, Mississippi, chances are, and you're pretty decent, you're going to get a shot at playing at a bigger school. It's just, there's so many variables to this thing. And if you grew up and you were a female playing sports in the 70s and 80s and 90s, and you did not have an opportunity, or there wasn't distribution on TV, or you didn't have an opportunity to go play in any of the pro leagues, chances are you left there not unfulfilled, but the same breadth of what they're talking about now of playing at a power five football or basketball school now you could say, I played volleyball at UCLA. It's a pretty big deal, right? Or at Nebraska or one of these other schools. But if you play Division Three volleyball, football somewhere else, people put you in a different category. And that's not fair and it's not right. So the 5% Club is what I've been talking to parents about for the last, I don't know how many years of, 
if your child is lucky enough to get on a college roster at any school, don't think take scholarship out of it. It's about roster spots. Every year, there's only 450-something thousand roster spots available total in all of the 2,000 or whatever colleges, right? Out of that, there's only about 100 and something every year. That has to feed. That 120-something thousand roster spots that are available, a lot of them are going to get sucked up now because of COVID fifth and six-year kids, right? So that gets even smaller. There's 2 million kids that come out of high school every year. The chances of making just a roster spot, let alone a scholarship, are so small. And if you do get that, whether you played softball at some Division three school in Iowa or whether you played football at Alabama, you both are in the same category. You made it. And to me, that's a celebration. So parents, what I tell them is manage your expectations. It, I know it's a prideful thing because it maybe it validates you as a parent thinking that your kid is playing Division One. There's 329 Division One schools. I can't tell you 50% of them. I've never even heard of them, right? Because they were Division Three five years ago. Now they've all these lower and mid-level conferences are out there, right? So don't get caught up in that. Get caught up in the fact that you have a child that made it. That made it. That's one of the 5%, the 5% chance of doing that, of being on that college roster spot. Nothing else matters because the, the skills, the traits, the per- consistency, the persistence, all of that, that they're going to learn four years of playing college athletics is going to be the massive foundation of the rest of their life. And you should celebrate that. And I thought, Jen, when I said, when I did this rant, it's much shorter, by the way. <laughs> It went viral, and I got reached out to by so many former student athletes that were like, oh, my God, I needed to hear that. Like, I forgot. And a lot of them were like, I played Division One, and, and I forgot how cool that was. It resonated with so many people that just needed to hear it, that needed that point of saying, we are all together, and we're unique. And regardless whether you played pro or power five, you still are elite. And you need to celebrate that. And there's no real way to show people on your resume or LinkedIn that you were a former college athlete without it seeming like you're bragging or whatever. You can't. It's hard to put it into because most people glance over it. Like no one wants to see that you played pro baseball anyway. Unless you're a fan of the team, most people think, ah, you're bragging. Because most people never, they're 95 percenters. They were never part of that 5 percent. So it's hard. For an athlete to come across in a business sense to show that these skills are transferable over into business by being the person that they are and the talent that they are. And 5% Club hopefully will replace that as a brand within your LinkedIn that I'm part of the 5% Club. And these are the business traits that are now inherited that I learned as a college athlete because I made it past the 25 of other kids that were hometown heroes. So what I started there was this, this massive community now of business professionals, executives, entrepreneurs, community servants, 
and some current student athletes that want to be within this community and celebrate and start building their their career. And we've created this community now that's a private business community and networking community, a community to help inspire and help each other and make impact within that we are now growing on a grassroots level with state chapters, local chapters. It's pretty darn cool. It's pretty darn cool what we built. And I, I didn't see it coming, so I never really planned on it. it. just happened organically. And that's probably the beautiful thing about it. Oh, for sure. And I think it's a great way to bring people together. As we talked about earlier, networking is so important. And this allows people who have had that common background of being a student athlete to connect and learn from each other, create business opportunities, grow. So I think it's a phenomenal thing that you're doing. And we'll have a link in the show notes so people can learn more about it. If you're a student athlete, current or former, go check it out. Join the business community. It's a great place to expand your network and to learn and grow from other people. So Rob, what we're going to do now is is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have some fun with questions from my two-minute drill. We'll be right back. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working towards your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy-to-implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Rob, we are back. Are you ready for some more fun? Hit me. All right, here we go. So the first question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Creative, passionate, and I would think kind. Great three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I have dyslexia. Oh, I did not know that. There you go. There you go. Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion dollar company and why? I would say the champion of a sport. I think because that lasts with you forever. And I think the skill set and the network and the reputation, you could then leverage that to start your own company or you could leverage that to get that other job working for a billion dollar company. But I think you can never take that away from you as a champion of a sport. You know, if, if they win a national championship, that means more than anything else. And you can't take the money with you that you make from a billion dollar company, but you'll always be known as a national champion. And that I'd rather have. All right. The next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? The book that I just finished reading was the Phil Knight book. That was about Nike. That was incredible. That was because an entrepreneurial, but the way he wrote it or the way it was written read like a novel. So it was pretty cool. I've heard good things about it. I have not read it yet, but I plan on reading it. Yeah, it's good. And then watch the movie Air is kind of a backup to that, I think. Get those two together. It's pretty cool. The podcast that I listen to the most right now is, quite honestly, it's a Catholic religious podcast. So so there you go. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not all about business stuff all the time. So there's other great podcasts out there too. Now, if you could have any one song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Hands down, Gray Street, Dave Matthews Band. Well, what's your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? Angel Investor. Okay. You have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? I'm going to Rome, Italy. Great place to go. The bonus question is M&M's, plane or peanut? Peanut. Actually, almond. Almond, even better. Almond. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. 
So Rob, as we look to close our show, any final thoughts for our listeners? And also share with us, where can people keep up with you? We will have a link again to the 5% Club in our show notes, but let people know where are you at on social media? How can people reach out? So social media, it's Rob Thompson Life on Instagram and on TikTok. Those are the two that I'm on the most and share the most content around these subjects. So my Connect Sports, C-O-N-N-E-X, sports.com is our main website, basically our front door of our membership program. And I think the final thoughts are, enjoy every moment, be present. I wasted too many years wishing time away, trying to get to that next place. And I wish that I paid more attention to those around me because I now raised, we raised four children and I wish I could get that time back with them when I sat there worrying about what my next career move was going to be a lot of the times. And I didn't pay enough attention to what was mattered to them the most. And now it's hard as adults to go back and try to rebuild those relationships, even though we have a great relationship. It's on me. It's I'm more sensitive to it than they are. They're like, dad, whatever. You were a great dad. We had a lot of fun with you. You were the fun guy. Mom was the warden. and But for me, I didn't feel that way. Anyway, so I, I would say just enjoy the moment. Be where your feet are. I like that. That's something that I talk about all the time. Um, I recently posted on LinkedIn about there's a saying in sports to be where your feet are. So it's important to be fully present, show up in every single moment like you're supposed to be there and enjoy them. Because as we know, tomorrow is never guaranteed for any of us. And I think the coronavirus pandemic, which we're no longer in a pandemic, but that time really kind of showed us that you never know when the next day isn't going to come for somebody. So I think it's important to your point to enjoy the moments and make the most of those and spend time with the people that are important. I think it's easy for us to get so caught up in the business world about hitting metrics and push, 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 but let's not lose sight of what's really important as well. Amen. So Rob, thank you so much for being on the show. I absolutely loved our conversation. As always, you have such great things and insights to share. So thank you for being on today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks again, Jen. Thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. And we will catch you next time. Once again, if you think that's someone else that you know in your network would find the show to be a value, please share the show with them. It's one way that you can help me to continue to move the ball and make an impact. And if you haven't done so for some reason yet, hit that follow button so that you're always in the know for when a future episode drops. All right. Thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to move the ball, everybody. If you are inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends too. Next, I want you to go to GetInsideTheHuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.